This Talking Flutes podcast is kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at TJ Flutes, Trevor James Flutes on Facebook, and at trevorjamesflutes.com. Hello and welcome this week to Talking Flutes with me, Jean-Paul Wright from Tunbridge Wells, speaking to Claire via Zoom in Hove. Happy New Year, Claire. Thanks, Jean-Paul, and Happy New Year to you. So have you had a, a good Christmas? I had a lovely Christmas, thank you. Uh, Mouse, our little Bedlington Terrier, was the centre of attention in more ways than one. It meant that we couldn't have the tree that we wanted because of her wanting to pull things down and chew things. But that aside, it was lovely. And my cake, my Christmas cake I spoke to in our po- Christmas podcast was beautiful. And how was your Christmas, Claire? It was lovely. It, it was it was uh, quite simple this year, but quite quiet because we um, here in the UK can't mix with too many no. people. Um, but it was lovely and we managed to get around to see... Uh, to see people, other members of the family, because I'm lucky I've got quite a few family members who live quite close. And uh, we ate too much, of course, we drank too much, we watched lots of stupid films <laughs> and had a good relax. But now, yes. we're all invigorated, ready for the new year. It's a brand new year, Claire. It couldn't be any worse than last year, could it? It really couldn't. No. And I'm really hoping for it to be healthy first yes. and for the the, the vaccines to work, their magic. And from a, a work point of view, um, I'm hoping all our colleagues and music teachers around the world will be able to restart things like face-to-face teaching and for the concert halls to be open, for live music to be appreciated, celebrated and supported. Yeah, I mean, did you find that on sort of New Year's, when the, 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 the clock Big Ben went midnight, you know, it's a celebration. It's, a, it's almost like this line in the sand where you can begin a new start. It's a brand new year. But there's still that sort of overriding bad smell of COVID, isn't there? And I know the vaccines are being rolled out as we speak. And they're going to the most vulnerable to start with. But you're exactly right when it comes to flute playing and music is that it's still in limbo. I mean, we're hoping... We, we really, really want it because there's nothing better than live music. There's nothing better than as a musician to play to an audience, a proper audience, rather than one person sat there, another one 10 feet away, another one 10 feet away. You need that vibe, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm so worried that there'll be a lot of musicians who will be, who have, who have had no work for so long and whether they're going to be able to pick up work in this new year because there won't be so much... There won't be the work there for them. And you think of all the all the people who are who left college during the last sort of ten years. Um, there've been no uh, very few um, opportunities for freelance work. Um, so that's the freelancers who have really been uh, caught up by by this pandemic, and and the instrumental teachers who haven't been able to uh, do the face to face teaching and not be able to go into the schools and the colleges. Um, and you think of the new year in academic terms. Um, so last September, um, the, the, the school children will not have been encouraged to 
pick up instruments and play because the teachers weren't going into the schools. So when that will restart in what we ever a normal way is going to be, I don't know, but we need it because if you don't have the, the school children playing instruments, we don't have the next generation of professional musicians and live music will be really suffering and everyone needs music. The one thing that people have been doing in lockdown is listening to music. So if there aren't musicians out there, there won't be new live music. Is there a ticking, do you think there's a ticking time bomb going on here? That none of the governments, none of the governments around the world, well, actually, that's unfair because like the German governments and some of the Scandinavian governments and the Dutch governments have actually, they, they understand the, the importance of music and the arts to community and to life. But it seems yeah, to be the, the UK government seems to be sort of devoid of this understanding that, you know, there's going to be this hidden generation that don't start musical instruments. And as you, you rightly say, if the teachers don't have a job to go back to, then what's going to happen to music teaching in the future going forward? Are we really going to lose a lot of music? Yes, I, I think there's a real danger of this. And it's, it's this appreciation. I don't think enough people appreciate the fact that they listen to music in some form of other or other every single day of their lives. And um, it, it needs to be supported. And I don't think many governments are doing that. Um, and, and I hope this new year will bring some more support so that we don't lose these wonderful musicians. And, and there is some work to go to because I don't know about you, but I used to find it very difficult to practice without the motivation mm -hmm. of work. Yeah. And if there's nothing in your diary, you think, what's the point? I, I remember when I was talking to the lovely Gareth Davis uh, last year, and he said that when we had the first lockdown, for two months he didn't touch his flute because there was nothing to touch his flute for. There was mm. nothing there in the diary. Um, and I, that's happened to a lot of people. And of course, we, we had lockdown before Christmas as well. So you need the motivation of work in order to practice. And what saddens, what saddens me is the role of a musician, you spend longer learning to become proficient on an instrument than you do training to be anything else. But then you don't stop once you, and you don't qualify as a musician. There's no such thing as you qualify as a lawyer, you qualify as a doctor, you qualify as an accountant. Uh, there, is no there is no point where you become a musician. And the issue with musicians, I find, is that once you've done your music college, your uh, music study the rest of your life is dedicated to practice study and performing there isn't a point where you stop studying or stop practicing and that for me got from governments the i mean there was that campaign before christmas where you know, people should retrain if they can't do their job they should retrain which was the most pathetic thing i think i've ever seen our government put out because musicians are musicians i think it was offensive as well Absolutely, it's totally it's so offensive. And same for dancers. Um, dancers, they learn to dance, but they don't qualify to be dancers. They, they dance and then they get jobs, but they never qualify. And you can't just suddenly go from being a dancer to going to work for MI5. It's, it, it just crackers. And so it's what the one thing that sort of annoyed me last year was the complete inability for anyone to understand the amount of work that musicians put in for when they first start their instrument and then when they're very young. I mean, even James Galway. So James Galway practices. He's in his eighties. He practices every single day. 
Yes. And he will have done from a very, very early age. Yes. And I mean, I started when I was 11. So our training takes place seven, eight, nine years before going to college. Mm -hmm. Whereas in other professions, um, people go to school and then they choose subjects and they go to university and then they start to specialize, but they haven't spent hours extra on, mm. on an instrument. Whereas of course we have. So there's not enough empathy. There's not enough appreciation. And I hope it's going to change this year. I think it has to Claire. I think it has to be driven by the public, the public consumption. We, you know, we need theatres to be open. We need concert halls to be open and we need music to come back. It'll come back different because as you say, there'll be some poor musicians that just think I, I couldn't survive. I've had to go off and go and work in a bank or go and work in the supermarket or something. And it's so sad when you think they've dedicated their lives and their study to music but I'm hoping that in the course of the next three, four years, that sort of a normality, a pre-COVID normality can return and that education and the joy and the passion of music can come back into it and that this new generation will, well, a new generation that don't know it yet, that are probably only three or four at the moment, that when they get to seven or eight, that there will be this huge opportunity again, which is enjoying the arts. Absolutely. It's, it's the arts need, as I said, support and appreciation. Now, there's something else I'm going to be looking forward to, more because I've had time on my hands. I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to some new flute recordings. Oh, really? And, and I'll tell you which ones I'm looking forward to. I'm not too sure when they were recorded. Uh, a couple here were, were recorded uh, last year. Uh, the first one, the wonderful Emmanuel Pahud, and he's got a, a, a new recording called Dreamtime. And it's got concertos by Pendereki, Reinecke, and Mozart. Mm. And the, the Dreamtime is based on, he, he mentions on the CD, giving form to composers' dreamlike visions. So that's, that sounds, you know, lovely and uh, fantasy-like. So looking forward to that. And he's also done another uh, CD called what's it called oh yes Doppler Discoveries and that's with Andras Adrian and it's the normal Doppler pieces for two flutes mm -hmm. and piano and also single flute and piano so that's going to be that's exciting to listen to and then uh, a lady I've not heard play I've heard her on YouTube but not on a on a, a, a recording uh, and that's Helene Bouleg oh Helene yes I don't know you, you say that exactly Helene right, Bouleg yeah. And the complete works of, of Jolivet. Yeah. Now, I'm in awe of anyone <laughs> playing Jolivet, but to record the complete works is quite a feat because, as you know, it's very, very difficult. And it's music where I always say you feel sort of almost exposed when you're playing Jolivet, especially the, the, the five incantations when you're on your own. So I'm really looking forward to listening to, to her, her recording. Cobus de Troyes, um, he's done a series of recordings of all the chamber music of Jacques Castorade. Oh, how sweet, really. Now, Jacques, yeah, the, the only piece I've ever played was his four flutes piece called Flutes on Vacances. Yes, that's really sweet and uh, lovely. Which is great fun, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, so he's done the complete works. So they are not pieces that you would normally know. 
So really looking forward to that. So there are three uh, or four CDs that I'd like to get my hands on. Oh, well, Helen's, um, Helen Belegs, the uh, uh, Jolly Vares is wonderful. It's on the Naxos label. It is absolutely wonderful. And you're exactly right when you play Jolly Vare. Not that I've ever performed it, but you are very naked. You are very exposed. And it's just incredibly difficult. So, but oh, It is so <laughs> Yeah, and that you can't hide behind anything with Jolivet. It's it's just sort of, you know, out there. Yeah, there's so, no pillows to hide behind or trees. <laughs> so for our listeners, do go and have a listen to those those recordings. It's good. I find that I get really excited by hearing good recordings by wonderful players. And it helps get gets me enthusiastic and especially for our new year. So what about you, John Paul? What's well, work wise, what's happening? Well, work-wise, yeah, we are. We've we've been sort of running a skeleton staff, probably skeleton team for the last nine months, um, because in certain countries, as they as they as they've opened up before they've gone back into lockdown, there's been quite a bit of business. So the the team are back in, and they are processing instruments and uh, doing as they do, but it isn't like it was. As for me, I will be carry on doing the social media and be carry on doing the product design and sort of working with the artists around the world, which is basically what I've been doing for the last nine months, but just from distance. When it comes to music, Claire, and uh, I think I'm a bit like Gareth, is that I try not to listen to flute music because I hear the flute every day. So for me, what I want to get back into, and this happened over the Christmas period, is I heard the a piece from uh, Ralph Vaughan Williams called uh, Theme of Variations, no, Variations on the Theme of Thomas Tallis yep. by the String uh, string Orchestra. And I remember listening to it when my county youth orchestra did it at the Albert Hall many, 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 many years ago. And then I heard another uh, Vaughan Williams piece and just thought, do you know, I re- this really resonates with me. Something about Vaughan Williams that at this moment resonates the colours, the narrative, the expressions. And also, if you're very mindful when you listen to music, you can follow individual parts within the piece. And I think with Vaughan Williams, because he's so descriptive, what I started doing was putting my headphones in and following, so it could be the um, violin line, or I could follow the bass line, or follow the cello line and ignoring the others and just following it. And it became such a meditative process that for me, I want to know more about Vaughan Williams. So that's what I'll be doing. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, very good. So um, what about any New Year resolutions? Oh, I don't do those. I break them. I'm not, it's, it's actually, it's untrue, Claire, is that if I do, you probably know me as well as any, anybody, that is that if I say... If I have a resolution, I probably go to the nth degree and make sure I see it through. And sometimes resolutions shouldn't be taken to the nth degree because life and the way things happen sort of move around a lot. So I stopped making resolutions probably about 10 or 12 years ago because basically I found them a waste of time and it was a process I was doing and then if I was to look back at in three or four months later I'd stop doing it and it was mostly roundabout based around eating more healthy and doing more exercise so what I do now is it is it I sort of I look at I think it's coming with age I think now I'm getting to be a bit of an old geezer thinking 
okay, I can change anything any day. I just have to have that process of wanting to change and having a motivation to change. And it's a bit like you said earlier, if there's no mo- if there's no end goal and no performance or nothing to be do- uh, working towards, you don't practice very much. And I would love to say I'll get the flute out more this year. But I know that really isn't a and I could put I could have that as a as a New Year's resolution. Yes, I am going to practice one hour a day. But why would I do that? What's the incentive behind that? Is it if it's through enjoyment, then fine. But you know with practice is that you have really good days and then you get really days that sound I well personally I sound like an old car tire. You know, it's my lips are and the sound isn't there. And I find that quite demotivating. And if I'm not at the end of the day performing because I'm too busy in my day job, then the enjoyment sort of flutters away. So for me, there's got to be an end goal. Um, I'm very much results driven. So that's why I probably don't like to make resolutions because I don't like failing, Claire. I don't like failing. Well, maybe, maybe you should think of it differently. Maybe a New Year resolution for you would be to get your flute out just to play for fun. For fun? Yeah, for fun. Oh. It's, it can be done, you know, just to get the little enjoyment from it rather than be trying to practice for something. Oh, fun. Fun. Yeah, fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what it's keep clear? Okay, I'll ask you a question. Can you play golf just for fun? Um, oh, God, that's a hard one. <laughs> no, you can't, can you? Um, I try to. I really do try to. And that's one of my goals, not a resolution, but goals for the for the new year is to get my golf handicap down. Absolutely. I like but, that you know, change. I like the change in emphasis, Claire, from resolution to goal. I like that. I, I do as people know, I'm I'm I do sort of approach my golf with the same sort of intensity as I approach my my fluting, my flute world. And um I get very upset when I don't play well or I don't win the competition. I've always been very competitive. The, the golf competitions remind me of all the years when I did flute competitions. I, I love the, the anticipation, the, the nervous antici- anticipation, the, the joy of the, of the chase and the joy of winning. Did you like doing flute competitions? It's, it's, a, it's a certain type of person that likes that, that energy and that sort of... It's quite frightening, the thought of doing a flute competition, especially an international one, isn't it? Yes, but I, I, I must say I loved them. I got, that gave me so much motivation to work towards something like that. And um, I, I did everything, like, I did every competition that was around for, for quite a few years. And it gave me great satisfaction. It got me traveling around the world. I met lots of other flute players who I still know today. So it's, it was a really good, for me, it was really good. A lot of people, you know, can't bear doing competition and they, they don't perform well in competition. But like I said, I, I enjoyed that, that nervous anticipation and giving myself um, a goal, a target, a level of, a level of performance, put, putting myself out there, I suppose, to be criticised or to be recognised. So as a, fl- as a flute professor, Claire, how would you try and reinvigorate your students at the start of a new year? 
Uh, well, of course, that's difficult uh, in today's environment. Mm. Yeah, it? it is. There aren't that you can't travel around easily now. You can't be going and doing. You can't be doing competitions, applications for for various jobs or or opportunities of of our recordings, and then you're dependent on the the quality of the microphone, quality of the recording, but. If in a few months' time things settle down, each individual needs to pick a route that they find comfortable. Many of my colleagues didn't go down the competition route because it made them feel very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So only do the competitions if it's something that gets you excited and you know, you've got to understand that it's very subjective. And sometimes you might have half a dozen people on a panel. Sometimes there might be one person on a panel. There are, you know, I, I remember doing one big competition where two of the, of the uh, two members of the panel taught three people who were in the semi-final. Oh. I think there were about eight of us. And um, I think that makes it difficult. It's a conflict of interest, but that can happen. Mm -hmm. So if you don't manage to, to do well or to win, then you've got to, you know, I'd get upset for a day and then I'd look for the next opportunity. So for me, it worked. It, it, it really sparked my energy, my flute energy. And of course, when you, when you win something, I mean, you can get prizes for, for coming second, third or up to sixth place. Those prizes could often be uh, performances or other, other opportunities, could be money, uh, could be vouchers. Could be there, were, there are all sorts of prizes, uh, but mainly the, the most important prize for me was an opportunity to go and perform as a prize winner of something. And that helps get you more contacts. And so you start that lovely circle of, of promoting your, your performances and getting more performances as a result. But as a flute player, would you view every January as a new start or would it just be... December moves into January, then moves into February. Would you use it as a motivational boost or would, because you've been practicing so much over Christmas? Yeah, I know. I always felt that the new year was a new year and that I, I had a, an extra boost of energy to, to kickstart my new year. I always, I always did. But I said it wasn't something normally specific. It, I would just be carrying on with, you know, what can I apply for? What can I practice towards? And, and in these difficult times, that's what students need to do as well, to, to try and put aside all the difficulties we've had, keep practicing because the opportunities will come up. Uh, new opportunities will arise. There will be vacancies, there'll be openings. Uh, and Gareth talked about, there are two, uh, two job vacancies in the fleet section of the London Symphony Orchestra. Mm. That in itself should give people something to practice towards now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah what's an opportunity so it's you know they they need to know where to look for the for the jobs there are websites like musicalchairs.com who who put up all the all the, the flute jobs everyone in their own individual countries find out where the jobs are advertised look them up and make a plan of action do you know what I really liked about Gareth when he was saying about when you go to an orchestral audition don't play anything flashy it's a given that you've got technique. You know, play something musically. Play something that we know that's going to enable you to fit into the section. And I really like that. Yeah, so did I. And, and I wish that 
I'd, I'd had someone like Gareth when I was a student because we didn't really have uh, guidance towards orchestral auditions. The orchestral excerpts were never set for us. We just had to learn whatever was out there. And of course, we didn't have all the books that are around mm. now with the excerpts in. We had, I think we had the Vuma set of, <laughs> of extracts. But you didn't, but quite often you'd get extracts that weren't in those books. I, I remember going to a, a, an opera orchestra audition for, it might have been principal flute, and I'd learned my pieces, you know, backwards so I could play my pieces. And then they brought up the extracts. Now for opera, there was, there was no source with which to learn your opera extracts. So I just had researched as well as I could, but they'd, they put something in front of me that I just didn't know. I didn't understand the term for the beginning of the extract. Uh, it was a German word, didn't know what it meant. So I thought, okay, I'm just gonna put my heart and soul into this. And at the end of it, they said, that's the music played at such and such opera for the funeral of, <laughs> would, you, would you like to do it again? And I said, oh, yes, I'll do that again. I mean, it's so difficult. So I had no idea. And, you know, I, I went with, I would go to orchestral auditions with, with flashy pieces because that was what I thought was, was required. And of course it's not. And if you go in and do a, a, a lovely bit of Mozart and a, a Poulenc sonata, fantastic. You don't need anything too flashy. No, the key is, as Gareth said, and I've heard it from other orchestral players that in joining auditions, is the key is not to be flashy, it's to be able to know if you're in tune. So when you're getting louder, when you're getting softer, to maintaining that pitch. Intonation for orchestral playing is essential. I mean, it's essential for other things too, but in an orchestra, it's immediately noticeable, of course. And um, I mentioned it, when I was chatting to Gareth about the, the wonderful Peter Lloyd. Yes. He used to say that all he was looking for was a beautiful musical line which is the same thing in fact he's not looking for flashy playing someone who's who's got a feeling emotion who could communicate something that moves you and hopefully moves you in the right way and that's what he looked for and he was a really nice person to audition for apart from when you just finished because I remember doing an audition with him and I played my pieces I did my extracts and he was delightful and said, thank you so much. That was that was super nice to hear you, Claire. I said, that's that's lovely. Thank you very much. Goodbye. And I got to the door. He said, oh, just before you go, just give us the solo from Brahms 1, would you? <laughs> and you just relax thinking, I've done it. I've finished. I, you know, pressure's off. And your mind goes blank. So you do it, but you think, oh, but was that? Did I do it absolutely as it should be? Or, you know, did I get the timing absolutely right? You're in a complete and utter flat. He liked doing that. He liked just to sort of catch you out just at the end. But it was something, a, a simple extract, but very important one. You make, you make, a, very, you make a very good point, Claire. And so sort of it goes back to Peter Lloyd. And something that perhaps everybody should make an effort this year is to find out who they are as flute players. But to understand the narrative that they're playing, the piece they're playing, understand the story, understand the line, understand the pulse, but also aim to 
make music beautiful rather than necessarily play fast. There's there's a time to play fast, purely in an encore, really. But it's to move I people. I think that's that's the key, make it beautiful. Um, I remember Sir James Galway uh, some years ago uh, made a comment. He said, where is the beautiful flute playing gone? Why aren't people making beautiful sounds? Why is it just loud? And um, you don't understand, he was so right that, you know, it's important to make beautiful sounds, make beautiful music, and not just think about having to, to play as fast as you can or play as difficult a, a piece as you can. And the, I would probably describe, if somebody says, yeah, but what's beautiful? I would probably describe beauty as when you're sat listening to something and those hairs on the back of your neck start to go up. There is true beauty in this because it's moving you. The musician isn't just playing the dot. It's not just playing the the note length, but it's moving you. And for me, beauty is something that moves at a subliminal deep level. So people should go out and they should aim to try and move people this year. Yes, and and then you can take that one stage. I always say that when you when you listen to music and you are moved like that, it, not just a flute we're going to talk about now, it can no. be anything, a, a pianist, a singer, a string player, an orchestra, chamber music. When something, when you feel moved by something, ask yourself, what was it that, that made you have those emotions? Was it a particular colour, particular sound, a, a particular way of phrasing something? Um, what was it that, that was communicated to you to move you? And then try and incorporate that into what you're doing. Learn from the experience, not just say, oh, that was absolutely fantastic, wonderful, loved it. Why? Why did you love it? Why was it fantastic? And bring that into your own plane. Don't just go through the motions and play notes. Play something that says something so that you're always communicating. I think you have the uh, the title of the podcast there, Claire. Don't go through the action, action of just playing notes. Yep, and it's it's a good, that's a good new year plan. I know from people who come and audition, you know, sometimes you know they're going to be good just from the first tuning up note they do, you know, that they tune up with, with commitment, with feeling, with an intensity, and you think, yes, they're, they're trying to get something there. Yeah, that's the point, isn't it, Claire? Tuning up. The how serious some players take it and others don't. I mean, I'm probably talking students actually, but performers, the art of tuning up, there's an art in it, isn't there? And if you're going to an audition yeah. or you're going to a performance, that tuning up process is so key. Yeah, it certainly is. So, in terms of our new year chat, then, John Paul, hmm. we've talked about what we would like in terms of, of health, successful vaccine music to rise up from the position it's found itself in to be supported and appreciated for all our listeners to get motivated and get excitement in their flute playing and their practice and hopefully have lots of work to practice for for you to at some point get your flute out and in for enjoyment i'm looking forward to Lots of interesting guests for the for the new year. Uh, we don't know who yet, but I think if any of our listeners have any ideas for us, do write in. Our email is flutepodcasts at gmail.com. Or we've got 
our designated Facebook page called Talking Flutes. We're very happy to hear from people on that page as well. Tell us who you'd like us to chat to or what you'd like us to chat about. Uh, we've got a whole new year to fill and we want to do things that people uh, uh, will enjoy and will get excited about. Indeed, and I think let's, let's try and make an effort to smile more. Because as musicians, if we... Now, you're always smiling, Claire. And, uh, but as musicians, if we, if we smile more, if something happens to our music, we tend to sort of relax a bit more and enjoy ourselves a bit more. And I see, when you go to flute conventions or you go to mu a concert, a music concert, classical music concert, very few people are smiling because I don't know what it is. It just seems to be a, it seems to be like a tension there. But you go to a non-classical music concert and everybody is smiling. People are relaxed. And some of the most successful musicians I know smile a lot. And there must be something nice yeah. in a smile. There is. And I think, John Paul, that you'll find that that will be the case this, this year because music has been... We've been devoid of music because of the pandemic and music's coming back. And so people will be so happy about that. There'll be a lot more, a lot more smiling, a lot more joy when, when going to concerts or hearing music. Well, if that happens, then I will also be a very happy person. Thank you, Claire. You're, you're very welcome. Um, I, I wish you a very happy new year. I hope everything goes well. And we will be talking again, of course, a lot during this year. Looking forward to the ideas sent in by listeners. Thank you very much. And uh, a happy new year to all our listeners. Thank you once again to Claire for joining me from her home in Hove. I actually look forward to the time when we don't have these bubbles and these tears over in the UK and I can actually go down to the seaside and we can sit down with microphones, her lovely coffee and have the dogs wandering around our legs and just having a general chit chat as we do. So as Claire says, please send any questions or any ideas for guests to flutepodcasts at gmail.com talking flutes on facebook if you want to speak directly to claire it's at claire flute on twitter and instagram and at tj flutes on instagram for me or at flute on twitter and i think you're up next week claire with a talking flutes podcast so i look forward to listening to that and i look forward to speaking to you all again soon bye everybody bye claire bye john paul thank you very much goodbye Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.